Good morning, church. Uh, my name is King, and uh, we're leading us today in our first Bible reading. Uh, so the reading today comes from Psalm 22, and we're reading from verses 1 to 18, and can be found on page 440 in our church Bibles. That's Psalm 22, reading from verses 1 to, 1 to 18. Um, so this, this poem uh, was written about, about a thousand years before Jesus came. Um, but as it turns out, this poem was actually looking forward uh, very clearly to how Jesus was going to suffer and be crucified. Let's read to you. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from saving me, so far from my cries of anguish? My God, I cry out by day, but you do not answer. By night, but I find no rest. Yet you are enthroned as the Holy One. You are the one Israel praises. In you our ancestors put their trust. They trusted and you delivered them. To you they cried out and were saved. In you they trusted and were not put to shame. But I am a worm and not a man, scorned by everyone, despised by the people. All who see me mock me. They held insults, shaking their heads. He trusts in the Lord, they say. Let the Lord rescue him. Let, him. let him deliver him, since he delights in him. Yet you brought me out of the womb. You made me trust in you, even at my mother's breast. From birth I was cast on you. From my mother's womb you have, you have been my God. Do not be far from me, for trouble is near and there is no one to help. Many bulls surround me. Strong bulls of Bashan encircle me. Roaring lions that tear their prey open their mouths wide against me. I am poured out like water, and all my bones are out of a joint. My heart has turned to wax. It has melted within me. My mouth is dried up like a potsherd, and my tongue sticks to the roof of my mouth. You lay me in the dust of death. Dogs surround me. A pack of villains encircle me. They pierce my hands and my feet. All my bones are on display. People stare and gloat over me. They divide my clothes among them and cast lots for my garment. This is the word of God. Good morning. My name is Marie and I'll be reading from Luke chapter 23, verses 32 to 43, found on page 858 of the Church Bibles. Two other men, both criminals, were also led out with him to be executed. When they came to the place called the Skull, they crucified him there along with the criminals, one on his right the other on his left. Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. And they divided up his clothes by casting lots. The people stood watching, and the rulers even sneered at him. They said, He saved others. Let him save himself if he is God's Messiah, the Chosen One. The soldiers also came up and mocked him. They offered him wine vinegar and said, 
If you are the king of the Jews, save yourself. There was a written notice above him which read, This is the king of the Jews. One of the criminals who hung there hurled insults at him. Aren't you the Messiah? Save yourself and us. But the other criminal rebuked him. Don't you fear God, he said, since you are under the same sentence? We are punished justly, for we are getting what our deeds deserve. But this man has done nothing wrong. Then he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Jesus answered him, Truly I tell you, today you will be with me in paradise. Thank you, King and Marie. Hello again. Uh, keep your Bible open there, or if you closed it or didn't open it. Um, if you've got one of these blue Bibles, page 858, Luke chapter 23. And uh, I'm going to ask God to help us um, to understand this. Let's, let's pray. Let's talk to God. Uh, dear God, we, um, we know because it's such a huge thing in the Bible that the death of Jesus on the cross is such an important thing, and yet there are so many people who really don't understand it. And so, Father, um, I want to pray that there's not a single person here who leaves today without understanding why Jesus died and why it's such good news for us. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. There's, a, there's an outline inside the info sheet, um, if that's going to help you follow along with where I'm going. Well, we, um, I think it's fair to say that our society is becoming more and more obsessed with the idea of superheroes. We love superheroes, don't we? Um, since 2000, I did a count. Since 2000, there have been 113 mainstream superhero movies made in the US. 113. And uh, here at St Barnabas, we love jumping on the latest cultural bandwagon. And so... For our Holiday Kids Club this week, the theme was superheroes, of course. It was great fun. There were, that's why we're, it's set up like this. This is our cityscape for the superhero theme. There were lots of goofy costumes like you saw in the video, lots of overacting. And uh, to tie in with the general theme of superheroes, the kids heard all about how Jesus is the super saviour. Jesus is the super saviour. It seems to fit in so well, doesn't it? We love the idea of superheroes. And, well, that's what Jesus is, right? He's, he's the ultimate superhero, okay? He's, he's like Batman and Spider-Man, except he's, he's bigger and more super. Or is he really? You know, I'd hate to do anything to undermine the fabulous work that our Holiday Kids Club team this week did this week, because they were just fabulous. But actually, no. Jesus is no superhero. I spent, um, I spent a lot of time travelling in the last month. Uh, I worked out that I spent a total of 54 hours in the air on planes, uh, which meant lots and lots of time for in-flight movies. Um, and I don't mind the odd superhero flick myself, so I, I had a look at what was on offer and... Sadly, British Airways didn't have any of the recent superhero movies that I actually wanted to watch. Uh, so instead, 
I watched Justice League. Um, it's not exactly Oscar material, but it does have a whole bunch of superheroes who get together to fight for justice. And so I was keen to learn what I could learn about superheroes in general from Justice League. Two things I learned about superheroes. One, superheroes save the world using their immense superpowers, even if their only superpower is being rich, like Batman tells Flash. Uh, But they use their superpowers to save the world, don't they? Lesson number two I learned, they somehow don't die even when any mere mortal would, right? They get stabbed and shot and smashed with giant hammers and thrown so hard that they break concrete walls, but somehow they don't die. Well, how does Jesus rate as a superhero? Um, It turns out that, yes, Jesus is on about saving the world, But actually, he's no superhero, at least on those two things. And and we're going to see why from the passage that uh, Marie just read to us from Luke chapter 23. But as we read this passage, I want you to see this morning that you don't need a superhero. You need someone much better than a superhero. You need much more than a superhero because you and I need saving from something that's much worse than Lex Luthor or the Joker or Magneto. We need saving from something that no superhero could ever save us from. Only a saviour like Jesus can. Now, the passage that, uh, that we read talks about the most famous event in Jesus' earthly ministry, and that was his death. Jesus' career ended, as pretty much everyone knows, with him being condemned to death and crucified, nailed to a cross of wood by Roman soldiers. And and Luke's account here of Jesus' crucifixion is very simple. This is not dramatic. There's There's no Hollywood drama here. He just tells the bare facts. Uh, Listen again to verses 32 and 33. Luke chapter 23, verses 32 and 33. Two other men, both criminals, were also led out with him to be executed. When they came to the place called the Skull, they crucified him there along with the criminals, one on his right and the other on his left. Like I said, superheroes don't normally die, do they? They use their superpowers to fight back, to survive and fight. Of course, occasionally, a superhero might die. I won't talk about any recent superhero movies, spoilers and all that kind of thing. But, but even when superheroes die, it's always after a titanic struggle, isn't it? Do you notice here Jesus died without a fight? When he was nailed to that cross, there was no superhuman strength. There was no struggle. There was no resistance. He simply bled and died among common criminals. That was the kind of death Jesus died, not a glorious death fighting valiantly against superhuman enemies, but a weak and shameful public execution. But here's the thing. The death of Jesus was not the tragic end of a powerful hero who nevertheless couldn't manage to save himself. Jesus died as the all-powerful king who chose not to save himself. He chose not to save himself. 
as we, uh, as we read on a bit further in Luke's account, he tells us, he, he describes for us how various groups of people reacted as they were watching Jesus die. And as we listen to these people, it's very clear that they simply don't understand what's going on. So uh, listen again to verses 34 to 37. Verse 34, Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. And they divided up his clothes by casting lots. The people stood watching, and the rulers even sneered at him. They said, he saved others. Let him save himself if he's God's Messiah, the chosen one. The soldiers also came up and mocked him. They offered him wine vinegar and said, if you are the king of the Jews, save yourself. You know, all through uh, Jesus' ministry, the big question had been, who is this man? Is he a fake or is he the Messiah? Uh, Messiah is a word that comes from the Old Testament, the first part of the Bible, um, because ever since the time of King David, a thousand years before Jesus, God had promised that he was going to send a much greater king, greater even than King David, a king, his chosen Messiah, his chosen saviour, who would rule over the whole world forever. And then Jesus arrived and he started amazing crowds of people with the things he did. He, he healed lame people, blind people, just with a word. Uh, he, he calmed a storm. He even raised people from the dead. See, it seemed like this man, Jesus, had, well, superpowers, And so the big question people were asking was, who is this man really? Is this God's chosen king or is he a phony? Well, for the Jewish leaders and for the Roman soldiers who were looking on, Jesus' crucifixion, it seemed like Jesus' crucifixion answered that question once for all with a big, fat fake. He's a fake. He can't be the king. Obviously, he would have saved himself if he was this great, powerful king. And yet, as we read their mocking words, there's one thing that Luke wants us to understand very clearly. He wants us to understand that Jesus' death was not a mistake. It wasn't a tragic failure. This was God's plan from the very beginning. And the reason we know that is because God announced all these things way back through the pages of the Old Testament. Uh, The first Bible reading that King read for us Uh, from Psalm 22. That was written by King David himself, a thousand years before Jesus. Uh, It's a poem about a king who is suffering at the hands of violent, evil people. But King David wasn't just writing about his own suffering. He was looking forward to the way that God was planning for his future king, this great Messiah, the way that God was planning for him to suffer. And as Jesus dies, there's a whole series of signs to say, this is it. This is, this is the moment that God was pointing forward to. So uh, when, the Luke, when Luke shows us the soldiers who are gambling for Jesus' clothes, we remember Psalm 22, verse 18. They divide my clothes among them and cast lots for my garment. Or as the rulers mock Jesus... We hear echoes of Psalm 22, 7 and 8. All who see me mock me. They hurl insults, shaking their heads. He trusts in the Lord, they say. Let the Lord rescue him. Let him deliver him, since he delights in him. And then when the soldiers offer Jesus cheap wine vinegar, sour wine, 
it echoes another psalm that David wrote, Psalm 69, verse 21. They put gall in my food and gave me vinegar for my thirst. See, the onlookers are mocking Jesus because they think he's a fake. But in doing so, they are fulfilling these signs that show that this was what God had planned from the beginning. And because of that, because this was really was what God, God planned, it turns out that the sign that they nailed above Jesus' head in verse 38, which was also meant to be mocking him, that sign was actually announcing to the whole world and to us the truth about Jesus. This is the king of the Jews. That's what it said above his head. This is the king. See, Luke wants us to know that Jesus really is the king, but instead of using his power, his authority to save himself, he chose to die because that was what God had planned from the very beginning. See, Jesus, Jesus isn't a superhero. He's, he's like an anti-superhero. When faced with the greatest moment of trial, instead of wielding his superpowers to fight evil, he laid them aside and simply gave himself up to death. But the big question is, why? Why did Jesus choose to die? Uh, well, to understand that, we need to understand what our biggest problem is, what your biggest problem is, and what we really need saving from. Uh, I'm sure you have lots of problems, I do, that you'd like to have fixed up. Uh, maybe health problems, or a mortgage, uh, finding work, family squabbles, relationship problems. But none of those things is your biggest problem. None of those things is your biggest problem. Your biggest problem and my biggest problem is God. That might sound a bit confronting to say your biggest problem is God. Uh, but it's true. It's true. Because when your life comes to an end, then the one who is going to evaluate your life and the one who's going to pronounce his verdict over it is the one who made you and the one who made the world we live in. It's God. And the Bible tells us very clearly that God's verdict will be that you and I are guilty rebels. We are guilty rebels. Um, now, just in case, it's no use saying, oh, but look at all the nice things I've done. Look, look, at, look at all the good things I've done for people. God's verdict has to do with whether you and I have loved him more than anything else there is. And whether you and I have treated him as king with our whole life. And on that score, your heart and my heart are very clearly going to condemn us on that day. And God's already declared it. He said, guilty rebels. And the consequence of that is death, not just physical death. Uh, the Bible says that there's a death which is much more terrible called hell. Okay, this is, this is God's uh, punishment, final and permanent judgment of guilty rebels. I don't, I don't entirely understand hell, but what I do know is that you really want to do everything, everything possible to avoid it. Now, uh, when I talk about hell, I hope you're not sitting there thinking to yourself, look, the Bible just, the Bible just uses hell to try and spoil our fun and scare us. Uh, just imagine for a moment that you go to a nice remote secluded beach on a boiling hot summer day. I know it's not very easy to imagine today, right? But that just have a go. Boiling hot, 
you go to a nice beach, you've got your swimmers on, you're dying to jump in the water. But when you go down onto the sand, you see this sign. Shark sighted, enter at your own risk. See, at this point, you've got to ask yourself, is the sign there to spoil my fun or to save my life? Why is it there? Is it there to spoil my fun or to save my life? Uh, Let me assure you, I don't enjoy talking about hell. I don't do it for kicks. And God doesn't warn us about hell because he wants to spoil our fun. He does it because he cares deeply about it and he knows that we're in terrible danger. So what does that have to do with Jesus and why Jesus chose to die? Well, my biggest problem, your biggest problem is God and our guilt before him. And Jesus chose to die because that was the only way to bring us forgiveness before God and to give us life beyond the grave. Okay, Jesus chose to die because that was the only way to save us from hell and to give us hope forever. And we hear about both those things, forgiveness and life beyond the grave, we hear about those on the lips of Jesus himself as he's hanging on the cross. First of all, uh, remember what he said, I already read it, in verse 34. Have a look at verse 34. Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. There was something else I learned about um, superheroes as I watched Justice League on the plane. I learned that, well, actually, I'll just learn it from the title. You don't need to watch the movie. I I learned that superheroes fight for justice, don't they? They fight to defend what's right and just. There's something much, much harder than fighting for justice, and that is winning forgiveness for guilty rebels. That's much harder. You see, superhuman strength and fancy techno gadgets are no help if you're trying to win forgiveness for guilty rebels. That's why Jesus chose to give up his power and to die, because when he died... He suffered hell in our place. That's, that's what was going on when Jesus died. He took on himself that hell, that judgment that we deserve. What an amazing self-sacrifice. And because Jesus did that, because he died for us, he can say, Father, forgive them. Father, forgive Stephen. Father, forgive Luke. Forgive Mary. Forgive And then at the end of the passage, we read the other thing Jesus said as he was hanging on the cross. Uh, We hear something that he promised to one of the criminals that was hanging there with him. Do you remember? Verse 43. Jesus answered him, Truly I tell you, today you will be with me in paradise. See, superheroes can only save people from dying. Jesus didn't save this man from dying. He did something much better he plucked this man out of hell and gave him life forever beyond the grave. And uh, in case you're not sure about that, in case you're not sure whether Jesus really can do that, three days after this, Jesus broke out of death himself. He defeated death. He broke out of the grave and is alive forever now. And so he can give us that same grave-busting life forever in, uh, in God's perfect new creation in God's kingdom. 
But there's one last question that um, we need to answer before I wrap up, and that's this. Jesus has done all this stuff. How do you take hold of it? How do you take hold of Jesus and the salvation that he offers? How, How do you receive that forgiveness before God and the life beyond the grave that he offers? And that's where this passage gives us this beautiful little example in that second criminal who was crucified with Jesus, um, the one who Jesus gave that promise to. Just listen again. There's this lovely little interchange between Jesus and this criminal. Uh, I'm going to read from verse 39. One of the criminals who hung there hurled insults at him. Aren't you the Messiah? Save yourself and us. But the other criminal rebuked him. Don't you fear God, he said, since you're under the same sentence. We are punished justly, for we are getting what our deeds deserve. But this man has done nothing wrong. Then he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus answered him, Truly I tell you, today you will be with me in paradise. If you want to take hold of Jesus and his salvation, and please do, please do, there are three things you need to do. The first one is to recognize who Jesus is. Recognize that Jesus is the king who can save you. I think one of the most astonishing things in the whole Bible is that this man at this moment recognized who Jesus was. I don't know if you've thought about that before. They're both hanging there, condemned and bleeding and getting weaker and in agony and slowly suffocating. They're close to death. Jesus wasn't about to jump off the cross. In fact, we know from John's account that Jesus was dying more quickly than the other two men. And yet, this hardened criminal in his pain, he turns to this guy next to him who's who's bleeding, dying, and he says, Jesus, when, when you appear, when you come in your glory... When you're revealed as the king of the whole world forever, when, when you appear in glory, please remember me. How does that happen? How did this guy at that point recognize Jesus? Now, uh, maybe he'd heard stuff about Jesus. I guess he had heard stuff about Jesus and his power and, and authority. Maybe as he watched Jesus being crucified, he recognized those signs that said, this is it. This is what God was talking about. But in the end, well, I guess God opened this guy's eyes, didn't he? So that he recognized that Jesus is the king who could save. Because God actually opens the eyes of the most unlikely people at any moment to recognize Jesus as the king who can save. I don't know where you are with that. It might be that you uh, think you need some time to look into Jesus some more. If so, um, we'd love to help. But it could be that actually you do know deep in your heart that Jesus is the king and if that's the case can I say please please don't ignore that don't uh, don't resist that push back acknowledge Jesus as the king Uh, step two the second thing to do is to be honest about yourself see this criminal was very honest wasn't he do you remember what he said he said we are punished justly for we are getting what our deeds deserve That is, he knew that he was a guilty rebel. He didn't deserve anything from God. The only thing he deserved was death. 
Now, that's really, really important because it means that this man knew that he could not be good enough. He simply was not good enough to earn God's salvation. Okay, it's, you can't look at this guy. It's impossible to look at him and go, oh, look, I'm, I'm sure he did some good things that got him over the line. You, you can't do that. Listen to what he said. We are getting what our deeds deserve. And it's not like he had any time to do good things after he turned to Jesus, is it? Like the next thing he does is dies. That's basically it. Okay? He didn't have time to try and make it up. I'll, I'll, I'll make it up to you afterwards to try and earn it. This man has done nothing which can contribute to his salvation. God, God doesn't owe him anything. He deserves hell. Jesus says to him, today you'll be with me in paradise. I want to beg you, please, please erase from your mind that idea that you can do enough so that God says, oh, oh well, he's not that bad. She's not that bad after all. Actually, yeah, he's pretty good. That, that's a dead end. It doesn't work. God tells us it doesn't work. So please don't try. Be honest about the fact that you, like me, you haven't loved God more than anything, everything else there is. And you haven't lived for God as king with your whole life. If you're like me, most of the time, actually a lot of the time, you've just ignored God or much, much worse. So there's nothing to gain by pretending that it's not like that. And there's everything to gain by being honest. Step one, recognize Jesus as the king who can save. Step two, be honest about yourself. You don't deserve anything from God. Step three, like this criminal, ask Jesus. Ask Jesus to remember you. And there is no step four. That's it. There's no step forward. Do you get why that's such good news? Do you get how awesome that is? Do you see how simple it is? Okay. Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. You'll be with me in paradise. Jesus, please forgive me. You'll be with me in paradise. Jesus, please accept me. You'll be with me in paradise. That's it. Friends, salvation is God's gift to us through Jesus' precious sacrifice. It's his gift. The, the Bible word for that is grace. It says we're saved by God's grace. That means just because he's so kind, that's it. He gives it to us out of his kindness as a gift. And the way you receive it is simply turning to Jesus and asking him. Ask him and trust him as your saviour, that's it. Well, Jesus is no superhero because he's so much better than a superhero. Jesus came into our world not to wield his superpowers, but to lay them aside and to die, to save us from our guilt before God and to bring us forgiveness and life beyond death. Oh, uh, there's one other reason why Jesus is no superhero. It's because he's real, okay? Uh, I assume most of you have worked it out, but you know, Batman, Superman, those kind of guys, they're not actually real. Jesus not only really walked this earth 2,000 years ago, but he's, he's ruling now at God's right hand. He's alive now and ruling over everything and waiting to return. 
And you can know him now. And you can receive that salvation that, that he offers us. Are you going to receive it in the way that he asks us to? Uh, I think to finish I should stick to the real world, not the imaginary world of Marvel and DC and all that kind of stuff. Uh, this week we heard that amazing news, didn't we, of a real rescue. Um, it was almost superhuman, wasn't it? The rescue of those 12 Thai boys and their coach from four kilometres inside a flooded cave. It was incredible, wasn't it, that rescue? Just imagine if those Navy SEALs had finally found it, arrived at that dry little high spot, four k's in, to where they're all huddled and the light's shining on these little faces and, and they go, we're here to get you out. Imagine if the boys had gone, no, don't worry, we'll be right. You know, I, I think we're okay on our own. We, we can do it. That would be like saying to Jesus, no, I think I'm okay. I think I'll be right with God. I don't need you. Or imagine if one of them had said, um, oh, look, yeah, I'm sure you guys will be able to help a bit. Like, I think you'll be quite useful, actually. But, but just so you know, like, I'm, I'm pretty good at stuff. Uh, I'm a good soccer player, you know, and, uh, and I, I clean my room often. I help my mum. I can juggle. Like, you know, you can help me a bit, but I think I'll do the rest myself. That would be like saying to Jesus, well, well, thanks, I think my good works are going to get me most of the way. Friends, it, it's, it, we need saving. And Jesus is the saviour. Knowing Jesus is such an amazing thing. That nothing beats it. Nothing beats the assurance of knowing that your sins are wiped out. You're forgiven. Your, your relationship with God is completely fixed up. He's on your side. He, he loves you. And, and nothing beats knowing that you have life on the other side of the grave in God's eternal kingdom through Jesus. It only takes three steps. Recognize Jesus, be honest about yourself, and ask him to save you. It's so simple. Uh, if you've understood that today, and if, if this has been an important thing for you to hear this, uh, I'm going I'm to talk to God in a minute. I'm going to say a prayer, and I'd, um, I'd like to invite you to say it uh, as well, just in your own mind to God. Um, I also want to say, if it has been important for you today, I'd love to know, please tell me or tell anyone here, really, um, so that we can help you, because um, you might be actually starting a whole new life with Jesus, and uh, it's something that we help each other do to make sure we keep on trusting in Jesus. It's really easy to get derailed and distracted and forget that. So we'd love to know, and I'd love to be able to help you with that. But for now, I'm going to talk to God, and uh, why don't we close our eyes so no one's embarrassed? And um, you can say this to God quietly yourself as well. Lord Jesus, thank you that even though you're the king of the world, you suffered hell in my place when you gave your life for me on the cross. Dear God, I admit that I haven't loved you above everything else in my life. And I know that I don't deserve anything from you. Please forgive me and accept me because of your amazing love and kindness through Jesus. Lord Jesus, please remember me when you come in your kingdom. Amen.